0: District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about the organization, visit www.cfact.org. I want to begin today's episode with this following quote. It's from The Storytelling Animal, How Stories Make Us Human. And I referenced this in a past article I did at Sporting Classics of today's guest, Robbie Kroger. And it's from author Jonathan Gosshaw. And it reads like this, quote story is the grease and glue of society by encouraging us to behave well story reduces social friction while uniting people around common values story homogenizes us it makes us one end quote and i think that's what blood origins successfully accomplishes under the leadership of robbie And when I previously brought him onto the podcast, I think the podcast was in its infancy. Definitely was the first year, maybe our entry into our second year. It wasn't anywhere near episode 50 for sure. But go back and listen to our past interview if you want to get up to speed. And since that time we last formally spoke, but I I talked to him on a fairly regular basis on social media privately, of course. But since we last did an interview, he has really brought out a lot of dialogue among hunters, non-hunters, people inside the industry, outside the industry, and really got people to think about how to convey hunting in the public square. This episode, I will ask Robbie a multitude of issues. I'll ask him about current events. I'll ask him about the evolution of the project into a non-profit. If we are succeeding in the battle of ideas with getting more people to be sympathetic or maybe understanding of hunting and his honest thoughts on that, some of his upcoming projects, and so much more. I think you're going to like what he has to say. So here is my chat with Robbie. Listen intently. He is so eloquent. You will take away a lot from his musings. I am rejoined by Robbie Kroger of Blood Origins to have a little update on how his now nonprofit, I should say, is going and talk about the growth they've experienced. If you guys have not seen blood origins across social media and YouTube, definitely change that, remedy that. But we are really delighted to have Robbie join us again on the podcast. Robbie, how are things going? How's the growth? How are things in Mississippi? And and how's 2021 been for you so far?
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me back on, Gabby. Uh, it's pouring with rain right now. We've we're predicted to get about eight inches of rain between wow. today and Thursday. But um no, as as you mentioned, it's um it's pretty humbling in terms of the last time I was on here with you and where we were and the thought pattern of what we wanted to do. And you are right, we are a we are a five oh one C three now because we had to figure out a model and how we were going to raise funds to be able to do the things that we want to do, be able to convey the truth around hunting, which is essentially the mission of Blood Origins. And um, we wanted to be a little different. We wanted to sort of sit outside the box like we have from the get-go in terms of the way that our content looks, the way that our content feels, the way that our content projects to the non-hunting majority of who we are as hunters. So yeah, things are things are burgeoning every single week we seem to just um it's interesting it's it's almost like an evolution right we 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 constantly evolve and morph and someone like you who's who's been following us for quite some time you can see it in front of you right you can see this thing morphing and growing and changing and whatnot so it's 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 pretty awesome
0: Yeah, I've noticed you guys have added a podcast, obviously, to kind of supplement your videos. And even on Instagram, and I think some of the other platforms, you've even added different explainer videos about different bills or kind of your thoughts on different attitudes of various different forms of hunting, your frustrations, celebrations of different things. So you cover the gamut of kind of what the feeling is in, in the hunting community writ large. So talk about like why you've shifted into that. In addition to some of the storytelling pieces without necessarily the hunting action uh, that you often see. And and for people who want more context about what I'm talking about, um, a lot of the blood origins videos don't necessarily show kill shots. They may show people in the field and it talks more beyond what the kill shot is, or kind of just what you see in most traditional outdoor tv programming so so for context i wanted to make sure people were aware of that if they weren't already following Mm -hmm.
1: well you know hunting inherently has killing associated with it so there's there's in in my opinion i don't need to show anything dying or anything being killed because that's what we do it's it's just part of parcel of it so um we don't need to defend killing well actually we do need to defend killing um in strange (laughs) fashion um but no we we do you know, as we've grown, we've realized that there's a lot of an, a lot of additional niches that we can fill from a storytelling perspective. And the podcast is certainly one of them. The podcast has allowed us to now enter into a new world where we can have these. The podcast to me is almost like the way that we interact with people when it comes to comments and commenting. So if if you notice how we interact with people, we interact with people very amicably, very, um, you know, iron sharpening, iron type conversation. And unfortunately, in a social media comment context, it comes across as, as it, it comes across always as challenging as a lot of people would say, a little aggressive. Um, no matter how you couch it, no matter the words you use, someone's always going to take offense. And so I was like, well, why don't we use the podcast as a medium to have these kind of discussions and these conversations with people? Excuse me. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's been quite fascinating. Like, for instance, I'll give you one. We haven't released this guy's podcast yet. Um, I get pulled onto a lot of different people's Instagram pages that have very large followings. Actually, I'll give you two examples. I get pulled onto Instagram pages that have extremely large followings. And we always comment because to me, a comment, regardless of the engagement on that comment, the people that are watching the comment is more important to me than the people that are engaging on the comment. And so there was this one individual, he posted um, Brit Longoria's leopard picture, the infamous leopard picture. Right. <laughs> and uh, I got on there and he had this whole rhetoric and he had all these people like just spewing comments that just had no idea what they were saying. And so I just amicably got on there and I said, look, man, do you understand how things work in Africa? Like, let me break it down for you. And I broke it down to him, broke it down for him in a comment. And he responded going, man, I'm so grateful you commented. I had no idea. And I said, well, if you'd like to, I'd be happy to podcast with you. And you can ask me any question you want as it comes to, as it relates to hunting. And he's a non-hunter out of California, runs a bulldog American Bulldog Rescue and Training Center and is as Southern Californian as you can get. <laughs> and we podcasted, Gabby, and you will be amazed at the result. At the end, wow. he was like, Rob, you are the most passionate conservationist I know. I am so sorry for posting that. I'm going to pull that post down and I'm going to slide into Brits DMs and I'm going to apologize.
0: Incredible.
1: It was mind blowing.
0: I'll definitely um, have to tune into that. You have to let me know when that episode comes out. That's, I mean, all of us from Southern California, I'm one of those people too. We're all, we're a diverse kind of group of people. And he, he probably does fit, maybe he did fit into the previous stereo or the common stereotype I should say of Californians. But that's very interesting. He was, I, uh, he was um, kind of uh, open-minded to, to what you had to say. So can, I,
1: you can see my video, right?
0: Yeah, I can see your video. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh brother. He likes that's guns him. though.
1: <laughs> that's him.
0: That's so fascinating. No, that's
1: not a gun. That's a pressure washer.
0: Oh wow. Sorry. I thought that was a gun. <laughs> I thought he had a gun. No, in I his
1: told head. you true Southern Californian.
0: <laughs> That's definitely not a surfer, bro, uh, but but the other, I guess, uh, stereotype of Californians.
1: Yeah. So, um, no, so I think that, you know, so we have those and we have the talking heads that you've mentioned. Every Sunday we release a talking head, which is almost like a current events opinion piece. Um, whether it's, you know, right now, obviously, we are in the height of legislative session across the country. Mm-hmm. And so there's obviously a number of bills that we are talking about always. Um, but there's also, you know, if there's a random post that we don't agree with or something gets a lot of traction or we get pulled into a, a certain comment thread or whatnot, it doesn't matter. It, it just depends on the week, uh, what we're going to talk about. Um, you know, I talked about in the beginning, you know, us defending killing, we've got a talking head coming. It won't be this week. It'll probably be next week. Cause we're going to release the podcasts. We've done two podcasts with, the a predator hunter And then the filmmaker Of that wildlife killing contest I don't know if You've probably seen that
0: Yes right? I have seen a debate I think it was My pal Cable Was talking to I think one ben of the Masters. backers Yes And uh, they were talking I didn't get a chance To listen to it But you spoke to the The actual filmmaker Or to, to Ben Correct
1: No no I, I, You spoke to the actual a,
0: filmmaker Wow
1: I podcasted with him An hour and 45 ah. minutes His name is Felipe Andraj. Uh-huh. And, uh huh yeah Phenomenal guy, phenomenal conservationist, passionate wildlife enthusiast. Um, Obviously, he knows his science. He's got a bachelor's in in wildlife ecology. Um, Fascinating conversation. And then we podcasted with John Bear, who obviously is on the other side of the coin in terms of predator hunter and that kind of stuff. So we're going to tag team those two podcasts together, and then we'll do a talking head that is going to be titled In Defense of Killing which is going to surely be controversial. (laughs) Uh, But it's almost like, you know, when it comes to hunting, we have to defend the kill because that's what we do. And it was, it's going to, you'll see, it'll be a a very unique talking head because it's the first one where, not that I have any of my talking heads scripted. I have had a couple that I've really scripted out myself to make sure that I was hitting the points that I wanted to hit. For the most part, I have an idea of what I want to say, and then I add little for what I want to say. This one, I truly did not know what I was going to say, and you will see that in the camera. You'll see that in the video. Um, So yeah, we've we've truly expanded into this full mission, which is conveying the truth around hunting. And and when you break it down, I can easily break it down into sort of two columns. The column that will be our core will be the heart of a hunter, the storytelling of hunters. Because to change perceptions in the non-hunting space of who a hunter is, that individual, that space, that majority will never get to know a hunter. They'll never sit down at dinner with a hunter. They'll never sit down to have coffee with a hunter. So how do I get them as close as I possibly can to understanding a hunter? That's the storytelling part of who we are. That's the heart telling of who we are. That's the documentaries around hunters and hunting that we do. That's the direct conservation projects that we implement. Then on the other side of the coin are, is the, is the truth behind what hunting does around the world. The truth of how it benefits wildlife, how it benefits communities, how, wildlife management is inherent to hunting hunting is a tool in them or wildlife management toolbox. So it's almost like an education truth telling around hunting and the heart telling of hunters. And we marry those two things together and we, we've, we have different ideas of different pieces of content left and right, and, and it'll evolve. It'll continue to evolve. Um, so yeah, we're pretty excited about that.
0: Yeah. You guys have had tremendous growth Especially since the first time we chatted, and even just noticing, even with COVID, I feel like I noticed such a huge, maybe expansion of reach that Blood Origins has had. Just seeing kind of the footprint you guys have been able to cultivate, um, just the different engagement level I see that happens on your comments and in the views that continue to grow on the individual videos. And I mean, we we I think all talk about this kind of in the industry how hunting was kind of given a second life. I mean, some people say, well, perhaps the activity is under the threat of extinction. Uh, it, it's going to be bouncing back fervently. And I want to know kind of what your pulse is. I mean, you, you talk to different players, people who partake in the sport who don't partake in the sport. Do you think it's going to perhaps let's say, continue to, to, to grow and is it going to, to win over people? And I know we still probably have, um, probably a lot of people in the gray area about hunting probably majority of the country is kind of like "Eh, ambivalent about it. And then you have obviously the fervent, let's say 5% who are woolly opposed to it 5% who are actively and adamantly supportive of hunting. And then you still have that big area, but I keep seeing a lot of different news outlets, non-endemic outdoor publications that say that, you know, without hunters we lose out on conservation funding. So I kind of see a little narrative change but I want your perspective on it, since you may be a little more in the ground and in the weeds of it than I may be, even though I kind of interface with different people in media. But but what is your perspective? Are we starting to win the argument on hunting?
1: Ooh, such a tough answer. I want to say yes. My my heart is saying no. Um, the reason my heart is saying no is that... We're just not coordinated enough, and I'll explain why. Why I say that? Like this wildlife killing contest video, as I'll use that as an example. They built a a, a very sensationalist piece of of journalistic filmmaking that paints hunters in a bad light, and they were very coordinated in the individuals that they engaged to. ...reach a massive, massive, massive audience. I don't think we as hunters think that way. Unfortunately, our hunting community... ...and I think that's what we're trying to change at Blood Origins. Our hunting community doesn't think about the community very often... ...because the industry is all about self... And that, made me, that make, may make me unpopular, but it's the truth. And if we can just relax about self and think about our community for a second, we'd start doing things a little differently and we'd start really changing, I think really, you know, moving the needle. Did we, did we gain ground as hunters in terms of our community, in terms of the numbers last year? Absolutely, 1,000% the truth. But did we, did we shift the needle in terms of the non-hunting perception of who hunters are? Uh, you know, it's, that's yet to be determined. And, and, and I say that because you know, that's obviously what we are trying to do every single day with our content. And, and look, uh, as you were asking me that question, my answer wanted to be, I see change every single day i'll give you an example i think i screenshotted it i had to um oh on the new mexico sb32 talking head that we did on sunday we had a
0: vegan comment on it i need to find the comment she doesn't follow our page let me try and find it quickly.
1: She doesn't follow our page. Here she goes. Here she is. She doesn't follow our page. And this is what she said Wow. Even as a vegan, I feel like this is a big mistake. Everything you said, I believe. Profound. And then I DM'd her and I said, Thanks for the comment our project provides insight to the non-hunting majority about the truth around hunting i really appreciate you engaging thank you my pleasure keep up the good work now you tell me did we change the, did we move the needle there possibly maybe
0: possibly. a little
1: yeah yeah exactly it it it's mm-hmm. difficult you know and i you know yes we've grown yes our engagement has grown yes our likes have grown all that kind of stuff we've grown okay I don't care about all that kind of stuff. That to me is a hundred thousand likes right there. Just that one comment. And that's so difficult to put your finger on, right? That's so difficult to, to create an ROI around. (laughs) It is. Um, But I think, you know, I I might've been a little bit too doom and gloom in, in, in the response to your question, but
0: Um, no, honesty is better.
1: (laughs) I think we're, I think, you know, we are changing. Narratives are changing every single day. People are speaking and are communicating better. I think we're, we're learning about how we need to communicate as hunters on social media. I think all of these things are, 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 are getting better every single day. They're getting better. So but we'll always be under attack. And unfortunately, all of the good work that we can do can be undone in the snap of our fingers because of one you know, stupid, idiotic piece of imagery that comes out of a hunter that undoes all the work that we've done, so.
0: Perception is everything, absolutely. And if a social media post goes awry and they typecast every hunter in a really negative light, um, that certainly could push us back. But I think maybe people are a little more careful. I would hope they are with with all the I wouldn't say it's necessarily an extension of like cancel culture. And I try not to get into that debate. And there's certainly cancellation attempts, but maybe people are a little more careful about what they post out of fear of misrepresenting hunting. I see fewer and fewer idiotic posts, or I try my best to ignore them if I do hear of them, but maybe people are starting to be a little careful because they understand perception is very evocative. And if someone sees something on social media, social media, uh, you even if you delete something, sometimes you can go back on the like way back machine and you can still find proof of a post. So maybe I would hope people have learned just from the lessons of others, to be a little more judicious about what they post, be a little more careful and mindful. And, you know, some people say, well, maybe don't post a grip and grin or don't post a bear pick or don't post this. And it's up to everyone how they want to post. But I think you could do tasteful posting. And I know you talk about tasteful posting and, and what that entails. And I think, yeah, I, I do see a little bit of an evolution on that. And I mean, I'm not an expert because for me myself, I'm a new hunter, but I finally got a, an animal of consequence. I'm very happy that I got a white till in Wyoming. And I used kind of like an AR platform. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I used what would be considered um, as we're talking now, unfortunately it's another mass shooting and the assailant used mm-hmm. an AR-15, but I used an AR-15 platform and it's a very popular home defense gun. People use it for big game hunting and predator hunting, especially. And uh, there are different forms of hunting. And I know this kind of speaks to what you said about divisions in hunting. And I want to ask your thoughts on this, but is it essential to support all forms of hunting? Because if you chip away at one, do you worry that other forms of it could be maligned, uh, regulated away? Uh, what, are, what is your thought process on that? And what is your thinking?
1: Absolutely. Every form of hunting we need to support. In the same breath, I will say we do not, nobody should condone unethical hunting. So... You have to support all hunting. You have to be, for instance, I'll use predator killing contests as an example. It's a great example. I've never done it. I don't think I will ever do it. Am I against predator killing contests? No. Is it legal? Yes. Is it legal in terms of the bag limits? Yes. Is it ethical? So this is where the next step next question always is. Well, it, it doesn't have to even, you know, what's the what's the old adage? Oh, it's uh, even though it's legal, it doesn't mean it's ethical. Well, if you speak to the right hunters about how they approach a predator killing contest, they are the most you know, they are the most ethical hunters that you can ask for. So it is very, very ethical. However, When there's big prize money on the line, unfortunately, just like in any lifestyle, whether it's photography, whether it's filmmaking, whether it's mountain biking, whether it's marathoning, whether it's adventure racing, if there is big money on the line, questionable individuals will raise their heads that will bring unethical practices to bear. And unfortunately, the imagery from those individuals doesn't help, you know, from a hunting perspective, doesn't help hunting. So I I certainly, you need to stand with trapping, even if you're not a trapper. Mm -hmm. You need to stand with a bow hunter, even though you say you don't bow hunt. Um, It's almost, you know, ridiculous that a bow hunter will say to someone that is a long range shooter, well, that's unethical. There's, there's a grayness to this idea of what is, you know, and, and I've had this philosophical debate with someone. Hmm. I, I actually use the word ethics and ethical in the wrong context always. It's just an easier way to talk about preference, right? It's just personal preference at the end of the day, it's not an ethic. Um, but you know, challenging someone, if someone says, I don't think that long range shooting is ethical. And you say, okay, why? Oh, because it's too far away, you know, and the animal doesn't know you're there. Okay, well, isn't that when you're bow hunting, doesn't the animal, they don't, they don't know that you're there, right? Mm, okay, I guess that's true. Well, what, what would be a, what's a, a good distance then? Is, is 300 yards acceptable? Is 200 yards acceptable? 500 yards? What's your line? And if they give you a line, you're like, well, why, why, why the line there? Why 400? Why, you know, why not 440? You know, I'm try, what I'm trying to do here is, is just play devil's advocate with someone in that. You've really, And that's the whole point of why we do what we do with Blood Origins is to make you think. And I've said it before. I think thinking is going to save hunting. If people just decided to start thinking, thinking about what they post, think about what you say, think about how you comment, think about the context that you put behind imagery. You think about a little bit of self-censorship <laughs> mm. before, social, before you put stuff on social media. All of that's going to save hunting and improve our image and our perception. I'm sure I went off on a rabbit hole there. I'm sorry.
0: No, that's extremely important. And I think like you were talking about the lack of unity sometimes, and it's not because it's a problem of individualism. I think it's unfortunately a problem of people wanting to be gatekeepers perhaps, and they're not thinking about the greater cause. And I think you can juggle being an individualist and then also thinking about the greater cause as a whole. And I try to, epitomize that myself in my own advocacy and in my own writings and in my own work and consulting and whatever I do in the outdoor space. But I think we do see sometimes, and I really I'm really bothered by anyone who tries to lecture, as long as you know something is ethical, I have no problem. I'm an all of the above hunter too. I support all methods as long as it's legal and for the most part ethical. And I'm not going to judge someone who does a high fence hunt in Texas or Florida if they're paying the dollars and they're not poaching. I'm not going to judge someone who hunts on private land versus public land. I think it's okay to hunt on both. It depends on where you live. And I I hate that judginess. Sometimes we see this with some public land hunters, and then you see obviously some tussles with private land hunters too. So I really hate seeing those divisions. And I think. There was what one moment, I think, which crossed every like hunting conservation group recently with the California bear bill that was going to ban black bear hunting. So that was a rare moment of unity, even among sportsmen and women. And it
1: became real for a second. Everyone was like, "Hell, oh, my gosh, they're going to try and ban bear hunting in its entirety.
0: Yes. And there's no scientific basis for it, obviously, because (laughs) under IUCN, the bear is of least concern.
1: nobody was going to target population numbers. Yeah, exactly. Just look at population numbers, look at population growth, look at quota numbers. Every piece of science was against their argument.
0: Mm -hmm. So we saw moments like that, but but what is your advice to people who get dismayed by seeing that debate that pits public land hunters versus private land hunters and all these different types of hunters against one another? What is your advice for those people who kind of get sucked into that? And how can we be above the fray? I would say as communicators, participants, observers of hunting, what do you recommend for people to do?
1: Uh, you know, I think that, number one, I think it's all driven by jealousy. I think all of the anger, all of the hate is all driven by jealousy. Um, I, I, You know, to be honest, I think we've always got to think, you know, I, I think in our communications back and forth between hunters, As I've said already on this podcast, don't worry about who's engaging you, but worry about who's watching you and watching that engagement occur. And that would be number one. Number two would be I wish we would all think about what we're saying through the lens of a non hunter. Like, what are they seeing when they watch us interact? You know, are they seeing the splintered, fractured group of individuals? Um, and that's probably what they're seeing. And number two, you know, maybe instead of fighting, we can, we can ask more thought provoking questions. Again, going back to the idea of making everyone think a little bit is ask some Thought provoking questions to say, well, why, you know, why do you have an issue? Between, or oh, that guy, you know, hunting private or that guy hunting public, um, one, I think it would silence a lot of the keyboard warriors. And, and you have to be very careful about how you couch that, right? You have to be able to, um, almost the way that we approach it, we always say, look, open, honest question here. And you lay the question at the feet, um, you know, don't be antagonistic when you ask the question because that's just going to lead to more fighting or more ranting Indeed. and raving on social media. So you have to figure out a way to. You have to figure out a way to write the statement that is the least offensive way possible of writing something that someone will not misconstrue for anything. But hey, I, I, I'm just genuinely interested and curious to understand why you have us position the way that you are uh you're stating kind of deal
0: yeah i think um and and sometimes it's really hard over text or uh social media outlets to digest kind of what emotion is packed behind words words do carry meaning and like people can interpret an emoji in a certain way or like a period or an exclamation point or like different phraseology in kind of like an antagonistic or not so antagonistic way. And I think some people sometimes do read into (laughs) two different words too much, but I do think you're correct in saying that you need to be cautious about how you word yourself. Do you want to anger people? I'm of the mindset, and I think you agree, never calling someone out, I think personally, like by their looks at hominem attacks, like I've learned even in politics. I mean, I never really was doing that myself, but I learned like shy away from that. Like, don't call people names because what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to gain from it? Like nothing. Ultimately you you should attack arguments, not people. And I think that's what some people may lose sight of sometimes I think, but I I would hope that's a tactic that people are starting to maybe renege on. A little bit more but yeah you certainly don't win an argument by calling someone a name calling someone the worst like labels you can think of like comparing them to some murderous dictator or comparing them to like one of the worst people you can imagine so i think yeah how you carry about yourself in your words in your rhetoric is extremely important and if you're an outdoor communicator you always have to be really careful about what you say and how you convey yourself in written word out there because people can perceive it in a positive way, a negative way. You can get a lot of backlash. So yeah, I think even with social media posts, people do have to be a bit more mindful of what they say. And I I think, um, once they're maybe encouraged or I don't know if people are teaching people how to be civil on social media behind the scenes, but maybe people are learning a little bit more with respect to decorum. I mean, especially with, with hunting, but I kind of want to move to something about like multiple stakeholders. And I know you talk about this interviewing people who aren't active participants. You talk to people kind of in secondary and tertiary levels who are supportive of conservation. And I saw something you did. I think you were, or you're going to be announcing that you're interviewing like ranchers and other stakeholders who work together with hunters. I actually did something like that recently in my recent trip to Florida, but how important is it to, talk to different stakeholders. And I think this is maybe like an environmental question um, beyond hunting too, but they also play a role in conservation, but um, having different stakeholders at the seat of the table, working with hunters and anglers, because I think a lot of conservation stakeholders who own ranch land or farmland um, people don't understand kind of what the role they play in and, and, and how essential they are, or maybe they're an activist or there's someone somewhat involved or they're somewhat adjacent to hunting in a a sense, but are you guys looking to capture that kind of nuance and angle as well? Is that important to tell kind of on a secondary and tertiary level?
1: I think we'll always be tied to hunting. Um, that's just our goal and our mission, but certainly the, the whole ranching private lands community, people doing and looking after lands, uh, for, to ensure that they, are as sustainable and as ecologically diverse as they possibly can be, are interest groups that I think would understand what hunting is doing, what hunting is trying to do. Let me say that. Um, and you know, you can look at private land issues here in the states. Uh, you know, cattle ranching, specifically cattle ranching, you know, very much like hunting, has a misperception around it, um, and you know crossing cross-pollinating between those two different sectors discussing um you know perceptions and the perceptions of what what the what each group does for the land what it does for the management of the land what it does for the stewardship of the wildlife you know including ranches um, i think those are very important conversations because again you're hitting a you're hitting a community group that may be fringe hunters right they're not you know, technically in the industry, quote-unquote, and I hate that terminology, but mm. um, but they're in a different group, right? They're in a different community, and you want to reach that community. You want to be able to access it. You want to be able to talk to it. Um, you know, Africa is very different. Private lands is, you know, it depends on where you are. Private lands in South Africa is the bastion of wildlife uh, sustainability in South Africa. Namibia has uh, the same type of model. Uh, You've got communal conservancies that people belong, that people own the land there. Um, And then you don't have that uh, elsewhere in Africa. But yeah, I think speaking to different communities is always going to be valuable, Um, especially those that look after the land um, because they just have a a kindredness to, you know, what, what hunters enjoy doing, which is enjoying to see land be productive, and see wildlife flourish.
0: I got to see a little bit of that in Florida, and actually, over there, I was told I didn't see them, but uh, the host who who hosted me, very lovely rancher, phenomenal guy. He was previously uh, the president of the state's cattlemen association, and he just showed me all this different wildlife that they had. Right after we left, there were like red stag running around. Thing access who did you deer. Go to? I went to uh, Matt Pierce. Okay, if you cool. if you don't know him I'll, I'll have to connect you he's phenomenal um so i spoke to him interviewed him for various different projects and you'll hear more where of his history go in florida okeechobee where in okeechobee uh gosh just outside of town like a few miles north so right in that hub of a kind of old florida okeechobee okay, cool mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the agricultural basket. Yeah. And and he's a sportsman himself. It's not just him running the cattle ranch operation. He loves hunting too. Uh, He's going to be opening up, I think very soon, like ecological tour so people can stay at his ranch, go birding. Uh, He showed me the different conservation easements he has on his ranch lands. I saw like wild quail running about. I saw sandhill cranes. I saw like some caracara birds, which I think are like eagles from Mexico that are Mm -hmm. endangered. Mm -hmm. I saw a whole host of different wildlife, even though I didn't get to see every bit of wildlife I wanted to see, but I did see some wild hogs, I think running too. But I just got to see that on this ranch land and every state is different. Every region is different, but it's just so diverse. Like the land is maintained really well. He can have his business. You see the cows pretty happy. Um, he's very concerned about water quality issues stemming from Okeechobee, Lake Okeechobee. And you see endangered or flourishing wildlife in general, on top of his operations, on top of what he's doing in terms of land stewardship and, and conservation. And I wanted to capture that perspective because I, I know that you can have balanced use and stewardship and, and all these people who often get maligned, like they have a story to tell. And I feel like they're kind of on the defensive now because so many people have just been taught to dislike them. They don't know where their food comes from. It's kind of like with hunting, like people say, well, I admonish this because they do this or they use guns or they do that. But I think people also fail to forget. And I think this is where ranchers can kind of work with hunters. Sometimes people forget where their food comes from. And that organic meat is not necessarily directly from obviously a grocery store. So I think they feel kind of the same. um, How would you say it? They, they feel kind of the same, I would say frustrations that hunters have a lot. So they're like a natural constituency who want to have their perspective told. And there are plenty of others. There are outfitters, there are landowners, there are people who work in energy industry, which can be a little controversial sometimes when you talk to them. But I've spoken to people who work in resource development in Virginia's coal country who have actually helped bring back the elk herd in our state, which is a miracle. It's a beautiful miracle. And I've talked about this and I've written about this. But I think there are different people, um, different constituencies who I think we can work with all together in harmony to really just think of the wildlife and and, and replenish hunting too. And I think people forget that in different industries, you do find hunters too. So I don't think they want to get rid of the land. They don't want to get rid of wildlife. They're very conscious. Uh, It just happens to be that they have to, you know, do this type of thing for a living and they, they find ways to juggle with it.
1: Yeah, I was actually in Okeechobee County I might have been there ten days before you. Yeah,
0: were. you were right before me. I think. <laughs>
1: yeah, so I was on a cattle ranch as well, um,
0: and very we nice. actually,
1: uh, yeah, so yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. The perceptions and the community are very, very similar to to hunters, and so no, there's certainly a good voice, and. uh, there's a lot to be dug into there across the country. You know, the difference between Florida and you know Montana kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I totally agree with you.
0: Is there anything else you want to add about blood origins or anything that's sitting on your mind uh, anything that my listeners can look forward to with Blood Origins, any programs that they can support. I know you guys have a few funds out, um, obviously like a monthly program, and then I think there's a contest that you're matching fees with. Explain kind of what other side projects that uh, my listeners can partake in or, or support.
1: Yeah, so we have a supporters program, which is a, a way for you to support us. Um, and all we're asking is for the cost of a cup of coffee a month, uh, super low, um, three bucks, four bucks, five bucks a month. And if you do that, uh, we put you in the draw every month for some amazing sort of giveaways. Blood Origins doesn't, doesn't and will never belong to anyone. It belongs to everyone. And so we've never been able to take money from brands or industry or anything like that. But the supporters program is one way for brands and industry to support us because they say, we love what you do, Robbie. We love Blood Origins. And this is us saying, okay, well, you can help us by thanking our supporters. And so you can win you know, seasonings and camo and knives. There's going to be a bunch of uh, custom-made knives. I've even got a custom longbow maker who's going to make a custom longbow um, we've got hunts all over the world, once-in-a-lifetime hunts that people can win for $4 a month. Um, so that's one way. The other way is we, we uh, fundraise for direct implementation projects, direct conservation projects all around the world. We currently have a, a campaign open right now, which is what you were talking about, the contest. It is to fund, fully fund the Wyoming Hunters for the Hungry program. And uh, it's going to fully fund the payment to get the meat, process the meat, transport the meat, test the meat, and then deliver the meat to needy communities all across Wyoming. And then we want to storytell that effort that hunters do because we obviously do a terrible job of, we do all this great work around the world and, and especially in America, but we do a terrible job of storytelling the good mm-hmm. that we do. And that's what, we do, that's what we're good at. And so right now, it, it, and this is what's blowing my mind. I, I'm constantly humbled every day by the interaction we get. So we launched the Hunters for the Hungry campaign at 8 o'clock on Monday morning. We're talking now Tuesday, 8 o'clock p.m. Uh, Stone Glacier has stepped up tremendously and has said to us, uh, we love the idea. We love the program. We have staff that are from Wyoming we want to match up to $10,000 for the first $10,000 raised. So the people that have got in first, obviously every time someone donates to their cause, Stone Glacier matches and they get added to their total. And the, the team that gets the most, raises the most funds, just like you were in, in, back, in <laughs> back in primary school, raising popcorn money, right? Uh, you get this big prize. And so the top prize winner is going to, get two days of sage-grouse hunting and a day of fly-fishing for three people in the state of Wyoming and I, I guess my math may be a little bit off I think we're we've been open for what 30 hours 36 hours you think right give or take <laughs> we've raised over ten thousand dollars already
0: incredible congrats that's awesome so Is we've got to a-
1: get to 35k but it's open for five weeks
0: Oh, you're already like hitting benchmarks. And is this through the First Lady of Wyoming's initiative by chance? Because she runs a program there, uh, Hunters for the Hungry. I know that there are probably different constituencies and organizations that do, but I know she doesn't. That maybe it Ooh, in conjunction know. with her program. But it know. sounds very similar. They probably uh, supply the meat donated to her program it, it's not really like you have to surrender your meat to her uh but but they kind of do something where maybe like they they uh t- tabulate it or like account for it uh, but but double check on that but it, it's a really cool program and you should actually talk to her i'll happily connect you with her uh special assistant um oh, who talks about great. it but yeah she's she's one of the few who's actually piloted a program like this first first ladies program governor's wives do like special projects and she's one of the few who has something where like wild game meat is donated and involved in the process. So yeah, Jenny yeah, Gordon is to
1: really connect cool. To her. I'd love to connect to her. Thank I'll
0: happily you. do that. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but yeah, I wonder if they have some connection to her office because yeah, she has a, the Wyoming hunger initiative that she uh, accepts wild game meat donations to actually, um, my hunt that I did in Wyoming, I took my meat home. I would have donated it if it wasn't my first year, but, um, some of our other participants at the camp actually did donate it and, and her program accepted it. So maybe there is some connection, but yeah, you definitely have to talk to her. She's phenomenal. Nice lady. And uh, her staff is really great. Yeah. But you were saying, I'm sorry to interject.
1: No, no. So we've got that project. We've got a couple of other projects coming down the pipeline. Um, we got a very, very exciting documentary coming down the pipeline. I can't say anything more about it, but it's very exciting. Um, so, yeah, we've just got a lot of things on the plate, a lot of things going. And it's all thanks to our community and thanks to, you know, Hunter stepping up and saying, hey, we want to showcase our true heart. So just like you, I appreciate the opportunity and the platform.
0: Always, yeah. And you were in Virginia not too long ago, but you were... Closer to our friend, Aaron Crooks, (laughs) than you were to me in D.C. But you have to let me know when you come to the D.C. area more or closer to D.C. And we'll have to finally interface. I don't know if you're going to be going to POMA's conference this year. We're having it in Nashville or some similar event like that. But I hope we can interface finally in person uh, beyond the digital connection.
1: (laughs) But it happened. You know, the only thing with POMA for me, because obviously I have a day job, uh, Mm -hmm. is it's all week. Yeah. There's no way I can attend.
0: Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a good conference this year. Um, that's what I've been told by organizers, and our our schedule looks pretty good so far. We just put that out there, um, but hopefully, at some point in the future, I'll be traveling across the country, so maybe we'll be in the same areas. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. coming up.
1: I look forward to meeting you.
0: Yeah, I know it's it's been forever, but Robbie, why don't you plug in social media websites, any links before I I let you go?
1: Yeah, blood origins on anything. Blood origins on Twitter on Instagram, on Facebook, YouTube, just Google blood origins, bloodorigins.org. You'll find everything associated with blood origins. And yeah, please, if you have, you know, you know have one less cup of Starbucks. <laughs> I'm not even asking for the cost of a cup of Starbucks. I'm asking for $3 a month. Uh, it will certainly help us move uh, forward the, the truth about hunting and the truth about hunters.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for catching up with me and keeping my listeners abreast with all your efforts. You guys do phenomenal. And I'm really happy that I can lend at least moral support. I'll try to chip in at some point. I'm a little tight on cash because my business has kind of taken a hit with COVID and just change of the year things, but I'll do my best to at least direct people and and send people your way uh, with respect to promotional efforts. Um, But no, I'm, I'm happy to support your project from afar. And I see that you're working with great synergy with my friend Cody, I know he's been a great help for you for the podcast, and that seems like a match made in heaven on the business side. So I'm glad Cody no, is there helping we don't you.
1: We know him as Cody. We know him as Alaska.
0: Alaska, that's his code name.
1: <laughs> because I have another Cody. So oh, you have another Codys, Cody. And in the first conversation, he's like, "Yeah, I'm moving to Alaska." I said, "Well, that's what we're just going to call you." We're just gonna call Alaska. Alaska.
0: Alaska by way of New Jersey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, he's phenomenal. And I, I was like nudging him to post his different pics because he always talks about moose. He was right after he moved, he's like, oh, I have moose. I'm like, post a dang picture or else I'm not going to believe you. And now he started to post a little more and he's like, you have to come up to visit me. Then you can bring out your fancy wildlife lens and take better pictures. I'm like, I'll hold you to that offer. Definitely. <laughs> but um, no, it seems like Cody has been a good fit for you guys too
1: no he's great really like him a lot
0: good good awesome thank you again Robbie and keep up the great work and uh, let's revisit again sometime soon hopefully in person one day yes for sure always delighted to have Robbie come opine on what's on his mind he really is a philosophical mind and I think we can benefit from having perspectives like that in the hunting industry and outdoor industry large and someone who isn't so, I would say, over his head when it comes to explaining philosophical concepts. I think he wants everyone to be part of the conversation, engaged and informed, and that's really refreshing. And that is why I believe Blood Origins is succeeding in impacting the conversation so well. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. Also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, hit us some subscribes, leave us some reviews, and share your thoughts with what you think. Also, interact with me on my personal social media accounts. I have mucks on most of them, except for Instagram, but you can find me just anywhere where you type in Gabby Hoffman or Gabriella Hoffman. Tomorrow, we will have Jake Dress, who is a filmmaker, videographer, someone I met Kind of early on in my outdoor communications career, by chance, we were first social media connected by Kara Harper, and I got to formally meet him at SHOT Show, my first one ever in 2015. And I'll talk more about that tomorrow when we speak with Jake.